Good morning. How are you all today? Good. Great to hear that. I want to thank our music team for helping us as we come together to worship God. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Any of you got this good stuff going around? <clears throat> I'm going to tell everybody that you gave it to me anyway, so... <laughs> I have to get a shot of new floor out of somebody's truck when we leave. We'll fix this deal up. <laughs> I probably would have been over it, but I helped Garnet gather cattle on Friday. And uh, first rattle out of the trailer there, we had a river to cross. And the last words is, I don't think it'll be deep. <laughs> <laughs> I think his horse knows how to swim. The three-year-old I was on didn't. When I went in the water, I lost everything but the top of his head, so I rode the rest of the morning until I dried out, uh, soaked from the waist down. So, so anyway, I would have been over this by now, I'm pretty sure, but anyway, we had a good time, no doubt. Uh, well, I'm glad each and every one of you are here this, this morning as we've come and, and uh, as we have the privilege of doing, to come to a place with uh, people who know what it means to have experienced uh, this great gift of salvation. And I know I've been preaching for several weeks, and actually we've probably been months now in the book of Romans. The reason I think the book of Romans is so important for our church, especially at this state of our church, is uh, because Romans is probably the most concise uh, message of the gospel that we find in Scripture. We know the gospel is actually from cover to cover. That's God's plan of redemption for mankind. And uh, the book of Romans is incredible, and so we've spent a lot of time there, and we still have some time to spend. Uh, today, we're going to be in Romans partially, but I, I want to take a little bit of a segue away from it today as we come into the time of year uh, where it seems to be so difficult to stay focused um, on the real reason for this time of year. Um, with all of the different distractions that we seem to face and all the parties we have to go to and all the gifts that we have to buy and all the things that we have to do during this time of year. We've easily forgotten that we don't have to do anything, that what has already been given has already been done. And it's us that has come up with this whole concept of all that we have to do. It's not something that God gave us. It's something that we've come up with. And so my message to this morning is how do we stay focused in such a distracted world? especially during this time of year. I thought to myself, would it not be incredible if Jesus really was the reason for this season? That if really we took everything out of this season except for Emmanuel, God with us, how much different it would be for each and every one of us and for those that we meet every day. The truth of, of this is that for everyone that is outside of Christ and has never come to know this amazing gift of salvation, they have no concept or idea about what Christmas is really even about. They're celebrating, if you will, just a commercialized time of year. They're not celebrating the reason that Christmas even begins to exist. We know that Jesus wasn't born on December the 25th. We understand that. Um, we know that we do celebrate his birth on that day. But that's not when he was born. We don't know exactly when Jesus Christ was born. Some believe he was born in the spring as the shepherds were out staying in their fields at night and they were watching over the ewes as they were lambing and they were giving birth to the lambs, many of them which would have been used for the sacrificial system there for the nation of Israel. 
It's very interesting to me that the first people that actually um, were met and were told about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ outside of Mary and Joseph would have been these lonely shepherd men who would have been sleeping out there under the stars at night and the angel appeared to them. What an incredible thing that God chose to come to those, the lowliest of society, to share with them this good news of great joy that will be for all people. That today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. See, that's the meaning of Christmas. The meaning of Christmas is not about what you do for anyone else. The meaning of Christmas is what God did for humanity. And if we could just stop for just a moment as we begin this very busy time of year, to just remember these four things about this season. As we as Christians celebrate and as a world that lives under the darkness and the canopy of night through the blindness of their own sin, that we might be able to somehow help them see the light of Christ. And so we're going to look at this this morning. And I think about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he... This is all part of God's plan. It's not man's design. It's not your design. It's not what you chose to do. This is for God. This is all about God. And everything that we learn through Romans and we get through all of this, we start beginning to grasp this picture that everything that God has done for humanity has all been for God. It's all been for his glory and for his namesake and for his purpose. And the fact that God poured his mercy out to you that you even come to know this incredible salvation is nothing more than the grace and mercy of God. And it's not anything that you did. It's not anything you pursued. It's absolutely the God who pursued you. This is an incredible, amazing gift. For some of you here, you don't yet maybe know that gift. You've never, you've never come to that place in your life where you've truly experienced like Jacob did last week when God appeared to him and called him by name. And from that point on, Jacob said, you will be my God. And God said, I will go with you and I will provide for you and I will meet your needs and, and I'll do all of these things. That's what I'll do. See, when God gives you this revelation of who he is, you're his. And the story of Christmas is so incredible. It's not this busyness. It's not about how much debt we can incur and how many gifts we can put on our credit card and pay off through the rest of the year. It's not about how stressed we are and the parties we got to go to and whether we got lights on the house and whether our house looks as good as the neighbor's does or whether or not we've got enough eggnog to go around and all of the stuff that we do that is just a part of what mankind has put together. If we would just get back to the basics of what this incredible gospel is all about. It is the message of Christmas. But we're so guilty of getting sucked into this vortex of man-made ideology. Walmart loves Christmas. But Walmart doesn't love Christmas because of Christ of Christmas. They love Christmas because of your wallet. That's why they love Christmas. And there's going to be Christmas beginning after Labor Day in a few more years, the way they keep shoving it back. They want you to buy into this mentality that you to be sucked into this ideology about what Christmas is all about. See, it's all about how much you give and you get and you buy and you, it's, it's a bunch of malarkey is what it is. We really would be more at peace. He says, I, he is the God of peace, is he not? How many of you have peace during this time of year? Not many of you. 
Most of you dread this time of year. In fact, if I was to talk to you the week of Christmas, you're just ready for it to be by and gone. See, what a sad thing it is. That's what happens when you take the Christ out of Christmas. It becomes that. It becomes overwhelmingly burdensome to those who are involved in this escapade of, of whatever we've made this thing in our society. The truth is, when I see Xmas, I, I realize that's really what it is to most of the world. It's not got anything to do with Christ. But it's an incredible thing to think what God has done. And let me share with you from his word. Hopefully these four things will help you. They're just four words. And I, I would be so uh, amazed if I was to go by somewhere where it says Christmas. And these four words were up there. And in fact, every time you thought of Christmas and every time you walk into a store and every time you see these things about the festivities of Christmas, you saw these four words. It would change everything about Christmas. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, I kind of summarized some of this earlier, but listen to this. The angel appears to these shepherd men and he says, in the, in the same region there were shepherds out in their fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Wouldn't it be something that at this time of year people were actually filled with the awe and the glory and the majesty of God? like these lowly shepherd men were. Be amazing. Do you know you can have that in your life and in your heart during this time of year? Not just now, but all the time when you think about this gospel. And the angel of the Lord said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The Apostle Paul shares some of these things actually through the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 5 verse 6, it says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. This is the message of Christmas Galatians 4, 4 through 6 says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, and the Spirit calls out, Abba, Father. We also find the same thing. Paul shares it in Romans chapter 8. We talked about this a few weeks ago as we went through this section of Scripture in verse 3 of chapter 8. It says, For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. So he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law would be fully met in us. We do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to to the Spirit. Romans chapter 3, Paul reiterates this entire reason for Christ's coming to begin with. In Romans chapter 3, 21 through 26, this is what it says. But now apart from the law, a righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between the Jew or Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he'd left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. And he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just in the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. See, the message of Christmas really is the message of salvation. And when God sent Christ in flesh, when God came in flesh and dwelt among men, his entire purpose in Christ's coming was that he would redeem man who was under the yoke of sin and slavery. That God would do something that mankind was unable to do for mankind's self. It's the greatest show of love of all that God did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. For you and I and all humanity have been under the bondage of sin. That we've all fallen short of his glory because of our sin nature and because of what we've done in a rebellion against God through who we are and how we were born and how we've lived God says, I want to do something. I'm going to give the greatest gift of all. His name is Jesus. That's who I'm going to give. He's not going to be wrapped the way that everybody thinks he should be wrapped. Sometimes I pick the wrapping that's got the, the yuckiest paper job because it probably is going to be the best gift. See, Jesus didn't come the way people thought the King of kings and the Lord of lords should come. In fact, there was no room for him in the end. They, they had to be in the manger area where the animals were. There was no room for him then, and I'm telling you for most, there's no room for him now. It's no different. As we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, we see the message of Christmas, and the message of Christmas is the gospel. It's the good news of great joy that will be for all people. It's what God has done for mankind. You will not find a greater love than the love that God has disposed upon his people. You'll not find a greater love anywhere. It is the greatest of all love. The story of Christmas is the story of love. That's what the story of Christmas is. I'm going to give us four things that I, I if you could just remember these four words and you say, John, these are kind of weird words. These are kind of like Bible words, man. Uh, how am I going to remember this? They're not hard to remember. If you can remember letters, you'll be able to remember these words. Just remember R-J-R-A. R-J-R-A. We're going to look at this. God has provided for us in Christmas, in the coming of Christ, something man could not do in his unrighteousness, and that he is going to provide the righteousness for mankind. Listen, the, the Romans, although were used by God to crucify the Savior, listen, God is the one who crushed the Son. I want you to think about that. God crushed his own Son in order that you and I could be set free. God did this, not man. God used man to fulfill his purpose. This was God's purpose. Jesus came to die. That's why Christ came. He came to give his life, not to keep his life. 
And he knew he had to come the way that he come. Next time we meet, we'll look more in detail about why the virgin birth is so critical and why the virgin birth is so important to Christians today. Without the virgin birth, there is no savior. Doesn't happen. All mankind, listen, every one of us, this is why we live under the blanket of darkness in our own world. Why? Because mankind is living under the yoke and the bondage of sin. That's where men live, in the blindness of their own sin. All mankind stand before God without excuse and are guilty. And the payment for their sin is death. But by God's amazing grace, we are justified through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, who was the sacrificial atoning sacrifice for us all by taking our penalty, paying our price, and making us justified before God. That's what Christ has done. This is Christmas, guys. This isn't stress. This isn't anxiety. This isn't debt. This isn't any of that stuff. This is what God did for you. This is Christmas. Christmas is what God did for you, not what you do for your kids or your wife or your aunt, your uncle, or the folks you work with. Christmas is not about that. Only the entertainment industry and only this commercialized industry have they blown it up into this obnoxious thing we have today. The problem is, Instead of us staying focused on what Christmas is and just giving thanks to God for what Christmas is about, I would do far better teaching my kids about the gift of Christmas than by the gifts that I give them. Far better. In fact, if my kids never received one gift at Christmas and they've only in their life received the greatest gift of all, there is no gift that compares to the gift of Jesus. There is none. The first thing that we find is this, it's righteousness. That's the first word. Righteousness. Boy, wouldn't you, when's the last time you drove downtown looking at lights and you saw the word righteousness? <laughs> I had never seen that word at Christmas. Never seen it. This is righteousness. We are unrighteous, yes we are, but in Christ, look what happens. God did this for us. He provided a way for us to be right before him. It's incredible. That's meeting God's standard of righteousness, a way in which man may be judicially deemed right or approved by God. Listen, if you want to celebrate something at Christmas this year, celebrate the fact that right now today in Christ Jesus, you are right before God. That is something to celebrate about Christmas. The first R that I think about at Christmas is that I am righteous before God, not in my own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Christ Jesus that was imparted to me on behalf of Christ's gift of his own life. Righteousness. You, Christian, are right before God. That is something to celebrate about. That doesn't raise my blood pressure. That doesn't make me stressed. That makes me give honor and glory, and that makes me praise my Savior. That's what it does. God's offered his righteousness to sinful man. It's not about the newest Nintendo game. Excuse me, I'm probably way past Nintendo now. What are we at? <laughs> Justin, help me out here, buddy. I, not iPod, what is it? Xbox, there we go, yeah. Nothing wrong with that in, in itself, but that's not... You know, Xbox might be the thing we think about at Christmas, but no, how about the word righteousness? What an incredible thing. The thing about this is, is you can't earn it. You can't give it. You can't buy it. You can't sell it. You can't work for it. 
You can't in your own self even attain it. This is a gift to you from God. Second thing was justification. And when's the last time you saw the word justification on the TV screen as they brought in all the Christmas words? Justification. (laughs) I'd never seen it. What is justification? This is it. Those of you that have ever stood before a judge and you've been sentenced to something or you're guilty of something, you know, you, you understand a little bit about what this could mean. To be justified, this is an amazing word, to be cleared of all charges. Had a young man share with me today some false things that he was accused of in another state and how he went to court and he was worried and concerned about what was going to happen. In the end of it all, he was completely justified before all of his accusing words that were said about what he did because he was dropped. All charges were dropped. He was considered to be cleared of absolutely everything that was said of him. Let me tell you something. He came here today excited to tell me about how he was cleared of all things. Let me tell you something. That's what it means to be justified before God. Everything that I've done against God and his word Everything that I'll ever do against God or his word. Because of Christ and the gift that he gave in giving his son, I have been justified. I have been cleared of all charges. Everything has been wiped away by the blood of Christ. Everything has been. The charges and the sentencing of guilty. I am guilty. There is no Christian who's not guilty. We are all guilty before God. I know what I deserve. I deserve to pay for my own sin. The wages of sin is death. That's what I deserve. But oh God, who is rich in his mercy, in his loving kindness, in his grace, gave me his son, who died in my place and took my sin and my penalty and all the shame and all the guilt and every accusing and accusation and everything that's ever been done and ever will be done in my entire life and in your entire life. And Jesus, before God, the creator of the world, he paid your price in full. And when he said it is finished, God stamped, it has been paid in full. Wow, like to see that on a bow wrapped on a gift at Christmas. I dare you to put this on the gifts you give this year. Hey, Uncle Bill, why did you write justification on here? Oh, let me tell you about this gift. Let me tell you what it means to be justified by God. What an incredible opportunity. Third word, it's the second R, redeemed, redemption. Oh, this is a great word. The redemption that came through Christ, this means to be released due to the fact that the payment of your penalty has been covered. The ransom has been paid to make the required payment for the penalty in order to purchase or to buy back to deliver the one who was guilty. In other words, the punishment was paid by another, thus freeing the guilty. Someone took your place, owned your crime, and paid and did the time. That's what it means to be redeemed. That I was actually, 
under the bondage and the yoke of sin and slavery. I was Satan's. God says, no. You don't get them. That's why Satan didn't want Christ to ever be born, and he sure the heck didn't ever want him to go to the cross. That's why he tried to kill him at his birth. Why? Because he didn't want this to happen. Because when God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, Satan knew that he was going to lose all power over humanity. Because Christ was going to come, and he was going to purchase the freedom of all those who were under the power and the yoke of Satan. And so Jesus Christ came by God's plan to redeem you. He bought you. And there's only one amount of anything that could have purchased you back from the enemy. You know what it was? Perfect perfection. No man could do it. But only the God-man. Jesus Christ, the perfect, sinless Son of God, he came and he gave it all for you. And when he did, and when he said, it is finished, he, by his blood, purchased men to God. Redeemed. Send that to a friend in a note at your Christmas cards. Big old word, redeemed up there. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death, always has been, always will be. Justice would not be met for the guilty if simply another guilty of the same crime did the time. That person needs to do their own time. No man, sinful man, could ever pay for another sinful man's sin because he's got to pay his own. That's why Christ had to come. This requires one who never sinned, which would mean perfect. The only perfect one is God, God in flesh. This payment was made by Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. That's why the angels, when they came and they met the shepherds, they told them they brought them good news, great joy. Oh, what great news. The fourth one is this, atonement. Atonement. This is a sin offering by which the wrath of God shall be appeased. The covering of the ark which was sprinkled with the atoning blood on the day of atonement, it's called the mercy seat. John the Baptist said that he saw Jesus, he saw Jesus coming, and what did he call him? He said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's who Jesus is. It's who Christ is. When we think about the birth of Christ, when we think about why he came, and we think about what God did, I can't help but just think about these four words. That this is what God did for you and for me. I'm over this Christmas deal of just blowing and going in ignorance. My wife begins to play Christmas music earlier every year and she says the reason I do that is because it's gone before I know it. If you're here this morning and you've already been getting all worked up and 
frustrated, full of anxiety, you don't have to. Keeping your focus so important. Maybe you need to write these words on your fridge. Maybe you need to put them on the top of your checkbook cover. Maybe every time you walk into Walmart, you need to put them somewhere where you remember these four words. This is the real meaning for this season. It is the first thing that God provided your righteousness. Second thing is, he provided your justification. Righteousness, justification, redemption, and atonement. That is the meaning of Christmas. It changes everything. I could care less if I buy one gift. Because they are all so sorry in comparison to this unbelievable gift that God gave. And if the church would be less concerned about the ideology of modern day Christmas and get back to the real reason of Christmas, people's lives would be changed forever. I hope this helps you focus in a world that is deranged. It's not about all this stuff, guys. It's about what God has already done for you. That's it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the gift of Christ. Lord, please forgive us for putting such a small, shallow emphasis on your gift and making the gifts that we buy for others the priority. Lord, help us to understand this incredible gift that you've given us, this, this amazing work that you've done in our life, that you provided righteousness for us, God. What an unbelievable thing that you provided justification for us and redemption for us and Jesus you were our atonement. God, the good news is that we're right before you. That this day in 2018, God, if my life was to go tomorrow, I've already experienced the gift of all gifts in Christ. And all these other gifts we give are falling apart and going down to the local salvation army or re-gifted next year, God, the gift that you give is a gift that it's eternal. It's forever. Please don't let us go through this season without really focusing on the real meaning of the gift of Christ. Amen. Amen.